This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swans Crossing! discover that the only thing that stops my migraines is taking a couple puffs of weed <laughs> and it stops it immediately that's legitimately your solution to everything though so i but, forgive me if i'm a bit dubious but it works for everything <laughs> <laughs> oh well this has got to grow up sometime <laughs> swan's crossing retrospective i'm libby grant i'm nathan kessler jeffrey and it's a little grim here folks <sighs> It's been a rough week. Yeah, we both had a really bad week. Oh, man. But we're fortunately, we're here to talk about this, which is legitimately something that I love. I and, don't know. Like, you you hate Swan's Crossing. But I love doing this podcast. <laughs> I've kept watching this stupid show so that I can do this podcast. <laughs> and this is gonna... not something COVID can take away from me. <laughs> That's right. You can't snatch this, COVID. You son of a bitch. Well, we watched episode 44. Wow. There is uh, some things happening in this episode. So violent. <laughs> yeah, we. I feel like we should do a content warning. There is violence <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> violence involving children <laughs> with each other. Child on child violence. Child on child <laughs> Buckyball on buckyball violence. Nobody ever talks about child on child violence. <laughs> Okay, well, we should probably go over your predictions from last week. Please do. You predicted the gang would figure out how they were going to tell the Gronies about the kidnapping, but this episode would primarily be focused on Sydney and Mila and Billy Gunn's arrival, such as Mila trying on outfits, etc. I would say that is mostly correct. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say it's primarily focused on, but there, we do get a, a lot of that. We sure do. Uh, you said Billy would not show up, but Sydney would explain the plan for meeting Billy. Billy, unfortunately, does show up. And Sydney does not explain the plan. <laughs> I mean, she sort of does explain the plan to Billy, but it's very vague. It is vague. They, very vague. And anyway, I was distracted by how incredibly huge Sarah Michelle Geller's hair is in that scene. It's so big. It is. Like, words cannot describe. The size of her hair is only exceeded by the size of shopping bags surrounding her. <laughs> Oh, okay, you figured we would have a little wrap-up with JT, Glory, etc., and Garrett would talk to Agent Friday, and then Friday would tell them how they would handle, how the FBI would handle the situation. Uh, kinda. Kinda. And Jimmy would finally connect with Callie to let her know about Barrick's spy gear. Also, kinda? Kinda? You could tell he was trying to. He was trying to, but it did (laughs) not happen, folks. This is an incredibly boring thumbnail. Oh yeah, that's right. It's Garrett Garrett standing there with his stupid mouth hanging open. (laughs) In Glory's bedroom, and that is about it. They really... I'm actually sorry that I interrupted the beginning of your talking about the episode, (laughs) because this thumbnail is so stupid. It is, and, like, some of the thumbnails are really, really bad, and it's shocking because, like, there's at least one moment of 
intrigue or interest or at least like like one of the girls in a bikini you could use as a thumbnail. (laughs) You know, like something that would make you go, oh, something happened. Like literally, literally, all you have to pick, all you have to do is pick one image from the entire episode where it seems like action is happening. Right, and there was so much action in this episode. How did we not get that for a thumbnail? I mean, literally, it could have been someone swinging a fist at someone else, and that would have been amazing, and I would have, I would have, like, we would have talked about the thumbnail for almost as long as we have talked about this stupid thumbnail. Well, anyway, we open on Garrett pulling apart a fucking cotton ball. He's so, like, he seems to be getting this, like, sociopathic glee from, like, tearing this cotton ball apart. I mean, I guess better a cotton ball than a small animal, which is usually how it goes with these weirdos. Right. Uh, Callie arrives on her uh, motorbike and Garrett relays the news that they have found Glory over the sound of some incredibly loud crickets and music. (laughs) The music and crickets in this scene are almost drowning out the dialogue. It's great. Uh, He mentions that he and Saja are waiting for the FBI agent to show up so they can run interference and prevent Glory from feeling overwhelmed. Agent Horton. Yeah. Okay, wait. Except that in this scene, Garrett calls him Agent Hortson, like with a clear WH East Coaster where they make it sound like HW. And also there's an S in there. So first of all, the agent was named Agent Friday when he called Neil in the last episode. That's what I thought. Now his name is Agent Horton, except that Garrett calls him Agent Hortson. It's all over the place. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there's a weird conversation. Uh, Saja is also there. There Before Callie goes into the house, there's this really weird conversation about ghosts on the old Walker estate. Yeah. So, okay. They, they go on and on about ghosts and the haunted Walker estate so much that I feel like maybe they were setting up, like there was supposed to be some sort of season two subplot about... <laughs> The Walker estate being haunted. Right, and, and the mysteries of old Captain Captain Walker. Yes. <laughs> I- Ilya Walker Walker. I- Ilya Ilya Walker. <laughs> no, 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 they call him Ilya Walker Walker in this episode. Oh, God, they can't even keep straight which of his names is duplicated. They're, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I rewound it to check. Wow. Ilya Walker Walker. Wow, that's incredible. Anyway, uh, I am enraged that we will never get our season two, and I know you are relieved. I Listen... I do not have another two years of this podcast in me. We cut to Glory's bedroom. She and JT are sitting on the bed and Neil is lurking at the door looking worried. Does he still have the sandwich? I think he does have the sandwich like at the beginning. And then it like disappears. Yeah, the sandwich. The sandwich at some point just mysteriously vanishes. Neil no longer has it. This episode is full of mysteries. Yeah. Um, Neil, uh, Callie, no, excuse me. (laughs) That's the sound of me editing us. (laughs) I'm gonna put that in from now on. Oh, no. <laughs> I can no longer do anything but laugh this week has been too stupid. So terrible. Okay. Glory tells JT where the original poetry notebook is. And as he goes over, Neil jumps in front of him and produces the original poetry notebook from his back pocket, explaining that he added the, the formula for UB2B to the poems and gave it to Glory for safekeeping. The truth has finally come out. At last we know. And as Neil is doing this, by the way, Callie sort of slides into the room and hangs back. But you can see her in the background, like, observing everything. There are so many shots in this episode with Callie in the background. <laughs> and it, it makes sense because she she is staying here this week. Right. But at the same time, it's extremely weird. <laughs> like, 
I'm the way that this this particular episode is directed, and the way that the characters are so often talking in whispers to each other. I am not sure what we are intended to believe the other characters are hearing and what they are not. I agree. It's uh, it's confusing. It's strangely coordinated. JT tells Neil to get out. Oh yeah, yeah. He throws plops, him out. Plops himself down next to Gloria as Neil heartbroken leaves, and we cut to commercial. Although there is, I did have the note. JT issues the immortal line, Did you know she was captured by men in hoods with knives and snakes? That's excellent. Okay, when we get back from commercial, Garrett comes in, leading well, in... Well, before before that happens, sorry. Uh, first of all, Callie is still lurking in the background. Oh, yeah. Secondly, JT asks Glory not to tell the FBI guys about what happened. Oh, that's right. Because it... This is... And this is... This is the actual line. UB2B is... Our life's work, Glory. If they find out what happened, they'll be all over us. And I was like, your life's work of what? Maybe three years? Yeah, maybe. At tops. most? <laughs> JT and Neil are really sort of putting the, the, the thumbscrews to Glory to keep quiet about exactly what happened. Because they're afraid that the FBI guys are going to like hone in on their research. And my favorite thing about this is that I've been wondering for like four episodes now how they are going to keep the information about Glory's abduction from the Gronies. Yeah. And this is it. They have figured it out. Now you, they just won't tell anyone. So Saja goes down to get the agent and JT uh, tells Neil to get out. It's not looking good for JT and Neil at this no. point. JT goes back to Glory, puts his arm around her, and Neil pauses in the doorway. He looks back and he sees... JT choosing glory over him. He's so crushed. It is It is heartbreaking. It's the saddest Neil ever. Okay, now we go to commercial, and when we get back, Glory's like, JT, do you think those creepy men could be after you? And he hints that, like, yeah, they're totally after him. Yeah. Like, they know that because Neil got drugged, and uh, their phone got bugged and all that shit. And they're asking science-y questions. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else asks science-y questions. We... Meanwhile, like, Callie is just, like, watching all this intently. She's, like, leaning against the wall, putting all together putting together all these puzzle pieces she's been finding since she first came to Swan's Cross. You're almost watching, like, her Sherlockian, like, <laughs> thought bubbles happening in the background. Callie's Sherlockian process. <laughs> Great episode title. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Glory does ask JT not to be so hard on Neil, like just as Neil returns to the room and kind of hears this, so that's a glimmer of hope. I feel like I skipped ahead a little bit, and then you took us back to, like, fill in my gaps. You know what? It's amazing either one of us is sitting upright right now, so I'm going with it. Excellent. I feel like you could definitely, like, edit this back in the right order, and... Glory asks Callie, like, what does she think she should do? And Callie's like, hey, it's up to you. She kind of says she'll support whatever Glory decides. And then JT relents and says, if it makes her feel safer, she should tell. It would obviously make you feel safer. This person has just been abducted. This is insane. I know. This is insane that they are not talking about a child abduction to law enforcement professionals because they're risking losing their stupid-ass Ubi-Tubi formula? This is insane! Nathan is pissed, you guys. It's just like, I, I, have, I have agreed to suspend my disbelief at a level heretofore unknown. <laughs> but this is where I draw the line, Libby. I will go this far and no farther. 
Oh my god, you guys, Nathan took his glasses off. That's how pissed he is. I just, it's, that, that anyone thinks that this is in any way remotely believable is mind-boggling to me. Like, we've just, we've just shifted into, into, like, Stranger Things territory. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, and here's the thing. Stranger Things is more believable because they've set up a world in which these things can happen. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, Garrett leads in the agent who's. It's like. <laughs> it's like they dropped the un- the upside down into this episode without any <laughs> any kind of forewarning, any foreshadowing. It's that unbelievable. Oh my god. Okay, I'm done. <clears throat> I promise. Garrett leads in the agent, <laughs> whose name is now Agent Horton. <laughs> he introduces him. He hears a who. <laughs> They had to use the set again. You know they had to use the set again. You gotta get a few eps out of it. Honestly, I could not. There are so many times when we cut to the snake pit (laughs) that I cannot understand what is happening on camera. It is so difficult. (laughs) Sorry, time out real quick. Are you okay? (laughs) And also, do you have COVID? No. I do not have COVID. It's just my medication. Okay. <clears throat> because I will lose it if one more person gets COVID. I don't have COVID. <laughs> not as far as I know anyway. Okay, great. Anyway, back to your snake pit commentary. Okay, I'm going to need you to take a test. So the point, be- <laughs> the point being that every time we cut back to the snake pit, like it's so dark. There's so little contrast. Uh, it's very hard to discern what is going on. But fortunately, we get the baldies talking. So I finally have something real to latch on to. One of them says to the other, uh, they're, t- they're discussing that they don't know who took her. So whoever released Glory is not one of the baldies. Right. And one of them goes, we all make mistakes. And the, the other goes, in our line of work, we cannot be wrong again. It's pretty ominous. It's so ominous. Back in Glory's room, the agent starts talking to Glory. Saja pulls Callie aside and tells her all about the cotton balls they found. And Callie tells him not to talk about it to anyone else until they know what it all means. Yep. Uh, Glory walks Agent Horton through her day yesterday. Uh, She left the tool and die, and then she starts lying about heading to the lake, cutting through the walker estate to get there, picking a rose, tripping on a rock, hitting her head, waking up later. Right. Boom. And then while this is going on, JT and Neil give each other the eye. Like, both of them understanding that Glory isn't going to give away their secrets. Yep. I also love that the agent is conducting this interview, seated in this young lady's bedroom with no other adults in the room, but surrounded by teenagers. I know! The agent uh, seems satisfied with the story. He starts to leave. Neil and JT look relieved, and Garrett is pissed because he knows there's more to the story than this. And then as soon as the agent leaves... Garrett closes the door and says, Tell me what really happened. Yep. You suckered that groany. You suckered that groany is just like words I don't ever want to hear. It yep. just sounds gross. But it should be the title for this episode. <laughs> Probably you should You suckered be. that groany. <laughs> Never something we want to hear in relation to Mila and Billy Gunn. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely in an episode where there's a Billy Gunn involved, we don't want that. No. Um, Garrett points out that they found Glory covered by a sheet, so something fishy's going on here. Like, she didn't just fall and hit her head. Somebody put her there. JT jumps in to get him to lay off of Glory, and we're delightfully back to the old JT-Garrett rivalry. We got a little bit of a, 
little bit of a conciliatory gesture in the last episode, but we're back to it. And fortunately, Callie jumps in before they can uh, (laughs) make out or fight. Yes. Because that's how close (laughs) they are. And Garrett menacingly promises to sort it out with JT later. He leaves. Neil and Saja take off. JT bids Glory adieu for the night, thanking her for covering for his stupid science experiment, and the sexy sax music kicks back in. Thank God. Oh, here it is. Yes. Uh, the plan is for Glory to just continue her routine, her routine, figuring out that whoever took... Fi- they figure that whoever took her is just, just let her go because they realize she didn't have the information they wanted. And JT... My favorite thing about this sexy sax moment is that JT promises that he's never going to let that happen to her again. <laughs> like, how would you stop it? <laughs> you are 15 at best. <laughs> we cut out to the porch. Saja is telling Garrett to tell Callie to meet Saja at Swans tomorrow morning, oh my God, which so is needlessly complicated. my favorite. <laughs> Saja leaves and JT and Neil come out on the porch. <laughs> Garrett accuses JT of having something to do with the abduction and punches him in the face. Garrett clocks him straight in the jaw. He knocks JT down. Oh my god. And then Garrett just wanders off into the night. And Neil just stands there. I mean, what are you going to do? Garrett's throwing fists. No, but like, Neil just stands there even after Garrett leaves for a hot second without being like, Hey, JT, what's up? You okay? Uh, He does eventually help JT back to his feet, though. He thanks him for talking glory into covering for them. And then JT clocks Neil! Oh my god! It's amazing. It's so much punching. Buckyball against Buckyball. Have you ever been punched in the face? No. It's, well, here's the thing. I've never been punched in the face, but I have been kicked in the face. And it is terrible. I bet it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, JT stands over the downed Neil like Muhammad Ali over Sonny Liston. And he says, that's the last thing I ever do for you, Buckyball. And walks away. And Neil is like out cold. Completely out cold. And as JT leaves... Uh, we The camera pans over to the Baldies hiding in the bushes, and Captain Baldy says, Divide and conquer, yes? And the other one goes, yes. <laughs> and then Captain Baldy slinks out of the shot, and then the other one remains until he realizes that Captain Baldy has gone, and is like, oh, and he leaves. It's hilarious. We get the commercial. I got the bounty commercial again. It's back. I did not get the bounty commercial. Did you get the dinosaur commercial? No. Okay. Do you want to do? <clears throat> got to clean up sometime. <laughs> Folks, this has got to clean up sometime. Our podcast within the podcast about the bounty commercial that still continues to haunt us after like, how many has it been? Like five or six episodes Easily. 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 I don't think I noticed anything new this time about the bounty commercial, but it was really grooving to the music. (laughs) I did record it. And it's playing right now in the background. (laughs) So I'm going to edit that in. I can't wait. Love that music. I mean, the nice thing about this commercial, among many wonderful things about this commercial, is that there's no dialogue. So the only audio is the music. Yeah. um, Which, as you can all tell... ...is haunting. It is haunting. And um, just this woman's poorly manicured hands. Poorly 
throwing around rolls of bounty and wiping things up. Well, this is a person who's doing a lot of cleaning. They don't have, they like, first of all, chemicals are very harsh on the manicure. That's true. Secondly, may not have enough time to go to the manicurist every week. The manic, is that a, is that a, yes, that it's a, a manicurist? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, thus concludes Gotta Clean Up Sometime, our <laughs> podcast within a podcast. <laughs> I literally, because I didn't get the episode, I didn't get it in the episode, I didn't think we would have got to clean up sometime in this episode. And I did not plan it. Okay. When we're back, unfortunately it's to find Billy Guns. I know, this guy. Sitting in the passenger seat of the Rutledge Mercedes and he's bitching out Sydney, who's in the back seat, drowning in a sea of shopping bags full of the crap she's purchased to pacify this child predator. It is amazing. It sounds like Ralph is fixing the car as they're having this conversation. Yeah, I think he's changing a tire. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Billy Billy offers to hire Sydney if she ever gets done working for Mila. <laughs> right, so he's he's mad because... He told her to get a white stretch limo. Sydney points out that if he'd gotten into a limo, fans would have mobbed him because they would have realized he was a celebrity. So, you know, this way he can freely move about Swans Crossing committing crimes against minors unimpeded. And uh, and that's when he's like, ah, you're you're a little schemer and I should hire you. That's yeah. so gross. Uh, he asks where Mila is and Sydney is being tremendously coy about the whole thing. And she's like, you'll see her soon, but you won't recognize her. And then he's mad. He's like upset by that you won't recognize her thing. Yeah. Sydney brings up that if they're not careful, the Countess is going to disapprove and then he's never going to get to see Mila and he agrees that that's a problem. So he exchanges hats with Ralph. Right. He swipes Ralph's chauffeur hat and gives Ralph his weird like black leather rock star cap. And, that's and makes disguise. no other changes. Yeah. That'll Just, do it. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> and then my favorite, my favorite interaction here is after he takes he takes Ralph's hat. He's like, "Take me to Mila," and 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 Sydney says, "Ralph, use your pedal." Ralph's still behind the car, changing the tire. He is not within reach of. His he pedal. cannot use his pedal. We cut to a truly spectacular and insane montage mm. of Mila dancing around in her all-leather rock star d- disguise. Oh, my oh gosh. Let me do that again. Her all-leather rock star disguise, <laughs> as seen through her personal wall of TVs, my favorite Sandy hit, Talkin' Sweet as Honey, please. <laughs> This scene is so, I mean, it's so problematic on so many levels. But I think my favorite thing is that after she gets done dancing, she goes and she sits down at her, like, vanity and and muses about all the reasons that she's pissed off at her mother. And we get this glorious, like, montage of flashbacks to earlier episodes because it seems like they're really trying to justify Mila wanting to rebel and, like, get out there and meet this child predator. Also, it should be pointed out, Mila in a black leather outfit just looks like it's Mila cosplaying that one member of Kiss who has the onk painted on his face. But her face is not painted, to be clear. Like, it's just Mila in a black leather costume. Like, yeah. it does not hide the fact that it's Mila at all. Not a, not a single bit. Yeah. Not a single bit. Um, but she clearly is very satisfied with her look. She seems to like the 80s butt rocker vibe going on. Butt rocker? <laughs> That's her. That's a real name for a genre of music from the 80s. Are you serious? I'm serious. It's called butt rock. Okay. (laughs) 
it's, you know, all the rock stars who wore really tight pants that showed their butts off. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So it has nothing to do with the music. Right. <laughs> it's not like a specific genre of music. Well, I mean, you know, they did play a specific style of rock, those butt rockers. But the genre is named after their appearance. <laughs> okay. Noted. Noted. Uh, Mila says to herself... This is going to be my day. Never <laughs> dreaming of the horrors she might possibly get herself into in that hotel room with a king-size bed. Oh my gosh, I'm so disturbed. I know, it's, it's horrifying. Oh, We cut over to Callie uh, walking outside of Swan's Cafe. Barrick walks up behind her and gets uncomfortably close as she turns around. He checks in on Glory. She confirms that he called the authorities and tells her that he's headed over to the tool and die. Callie's going to hang out with Glory, and I'm not at all sure about the point of this scene. I know, I think it's just to kind of show that, like, Callie is trying to be on friendlier terms with Barrick. Uh-huh. She's not as shitty to Barrick as she usually is. She's yes. pretty neutral to him. That's true. Also, I just want it noted for the record that Callie is wearing a metallic gold puffer vest. And huge earrings. And huge earrings. It's so <clears throat> weird because, like, normally Callie's very earthy looking, yeah. you know? Like, she's dressed in very uh, not flashy clothes. And for no apparent reason, she's got, like, a new wave vibe with this and, fucking gold lament And we vest. know that she did not borrow these outfits from Glory. <laughs> Glory's <laughs> Glory's whole wardrobe is 100% uh, <laughs> floral. Uh, one thing that I do think is hilarious about this particular look is that it's breakfast time. That's true. It's breakfast time. She got dressed up real snazzy for pancakes. Oh, man. Gotta, gotta get those huge earrings in for pancakes. Yep. As well as your machete. You know yeah. how it is. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, inside Swans, Saja and Jimmy are hanging out at the bar eating. Callie comes up to apologize to Jimmy about her being shitty over Barrick in the past. In the background, by the way, you can see Mila in her blonde hair. Like, she's just got her blonde hair stuffed up under her leather cap. It's clearly Mila. It, this is not a disguise. Come on. Amazing. So after she gives, after Callie gives this long apology about how she might be overreacting to... Barrick, Jimmy decides that he's not going to tell her about the, ju- the jeweler's glasses with the camera in them. Right. And I want to point out that Jimmy in this scene is wearing a gray t-shirt and plaid flannel, and I love it. It's yeah. great. It looks great. No more, uh, what's his name, automotive parts or whatever. Yeah. As Jimmy leaves, Jimmy's like, oh, I, know, I don't need to talk to you about anything at all, and walks out, and <laughs> Sasha says... Whoa, you just did a complete 360 on Barrick. Ah! That's not how three that's not how directions work, Sasha. I that, know. That means you came right back to where you started. Right, you're back in your original position. Although I guess it is kind of a 360 on Barrick because Callie immediately says, no, she feels the same about him. But she's not going to argue with Jimmy until she finds some good proof that Barrick is a skis ball. Which maybe is something that she should have done in the first place. Yeah, possibly. Uh, outside, Jimmy gets on his bike. I love this scene so much. He has brought the jeweler's glasses thingy with him for some reason. We get a flashback to that time he took some pictures with it in case we all forgot what this MacGuffin is. And then we see Jimmy in real time. And there's a voiceover of Jimmy saying, Callie's right. This is probably nothing. And... <laughs> He puts he puts the jeweler's glasses on the bike handlebars while he's starting his motorcycle. They fall off, break, <laughs> and Barrick walks up immediately from off camera. Right behind him. And says, Young Jake, what have you done? Well, he says young James, but yeah. yes. Oh, I thought he, I thought he said young Jake. I literally <laughs> Yeah. I literally was like, is that Jake? 
Uh, and Jimmy snaps up in su- surprise. We freeze frame and roll credits. That's so, such a good ending. I love it. It's so... Young James, what have you done? <laughs> it's not like he just murdered someone. Right. You, know? I mean, maybe. you don't know that. So, who is our psychopath of the week? Oh, man. Um, probably Garrett. I mean, I, I mean, think so. He's the first one to throw a punch. Yep. Yep. Okay. And uh, we did we have any swans? Zero new swans this week, Incredible. folks. Uh, I don't know how long it's been since we've had a zero swan count day, but oofta, here we are. Yeah. Uh, so that brings our running total to four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 110 other swans. Wow. Wow, thank, wow. Thank you to Richard Winslow. No, 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 no. We go do your predictions. Oh, predictions. <laughs> Dad gum it. Give me your prediction. We edit that part out. Yeah, we will. Okay, great. Tell me, what do you predict for next week? So next week, Barrick is going to have to have a conversation explaining the jeweler's glasses to Jimmy. I think Sydney brings Billy to meet Mila at Swan's. And again, the, I think the Countess interrupts, and Sydney has worked it out so that Garrett is there to comfort Mila or whatever. We don't get a lot of Glory JT next episode because she's been the focus this whole time. Um, Kelly and Saja, I think, are hot on the trail of the cotton balls, and that is all I've got. That's all, all I've right. got for next week. I mean, I think. If anybody can fill a whole episode with that nonsense, it's the authors of Swan's Crossing. <laughs> I agree. Uh, and what a thrilling episode it is sure to be. Is it? Well, oh, it is a, it is a, it's a Friday episode. It's a Friday, so, so you know, something's going to happen. Oh, gosh. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swan's Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram at Swan's Cross Pod and on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod. Or maybe that's reversed. I don't know. You've been doing this every single time. You guys will find it. You'll can figure you, it out. Can you just put it at the end of your notes? Like, that's what I do with I mean, mine. I, I just copy and paste it every time. I could, but won't that destroy some of the charm? of our outro (laughs) that's that's how um that's how our outro works and until we can see one another again may you never get your instagram and twitter handles confused (laughs) bye Bye. (laughs) nothing but the best for billy gunn speaking of the best where is mila